Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. Do you plan on staying in Connecticut after you retire, or are you already in the process of moving? Today, we're talking about out-migration in the context of discouraging news that residents, especially those of retirement age and millennials, are leaving Connecticut. It's one of the findings in a recent report from the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving and its community partners. We'll hear about it in the first part of the show. Coming up, we'll talk to two former Connecticut residents who've written op-eds in the Hartford Current explaining why they've gone to Florida. We'll also be joined by State Senator Beth Bayh to talk about the concerns of retirees and what the state can do differently to keep them here. Later, we'll talk about something Connecticut residents don't hear much about. That's that people actually do move here from other states. I'm one of them, and so is our newest producer, Jeff Tyson, a Rochester native. He moved here from D.C. I think he's a millennial. That's some good news. On Facebook and Twitter, we ask people if they plan on staying in Connecticut after they retire. Here's what we heard back. Scott tweeted, my wife and I are leaving due to pension and social security taxes in Connecticut. As active voters with plans to travel, we are leaving. Michael tweeted, I've always planned on staying, but I'm embarrassed by the passivity of our citizens regarding Malloy's administration. And Lauren wrote on Facebook, retire? You can join the conversation. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. I want to welcome to our studio Scott Gall, director of the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving's Community Indicator Project. Welcome to Where We Live, Scott. Thank you. So I read this is the third Metro Hartford Progress Report that was released by uh, the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving um, and your partners. Tell me about what you measure and what were the findings of the latest report. Sure. So we rely a lot on um, the eight organizational partners we work with. So we work with government, uh, kind of business, uh, philanthropy, some nonprofits. They're focused, basically, are focused on the Hartford region so that they can't kind of walk away from the challenges that that region faces. And we work with them to kind of ensure that none of the issues that face the region as a whole fall through the cracks. And so the areas that we focus on, the indicators that we look at are kind of based on the shared concerns of those organizations. Um, so we released the third in, you know, a third of three um, so far reports uh, on the region a couple weeks ago. And the issues that are talked about in the report are really directly based on the strategic priorities of those nine organizations, ourselves included. Um, one of those was, I think, uh, kind of what we're uh, focusing on today is really attracting and retaining millennials. And people looked at that through different lenses to sort of um, keep a skilled workforce here, to um, keep the you know our communities vibrant and kind of uh, lively. But um, but that's not sort of the only concern, and I think a lot of the focus of the report is try to link issues and see how you know things for, about um, workforce relate to issues about housing or housing and transportation or how, how you know schools and housing relate to each other. So trying to draw the connections between those things and to just again sort of make sure that uh, the issues that the region as a whole faces don't fall through the cracks. We know a lot of young people move to Connecticut because of the colleges and universities that are here. Is it anything new that after they graduate that young people want to leave Connecticut, explore what's around them? No, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's what, one of the great assets of, you know, Connecticut, New England, Hartford Region is really having a lot of high quality um, institutes of higher education, and those bring a lot of people in, but it is not sort of a new phenomena that those people um, leave. One of the things I did kind of um, thinking through this 
before as I went back and looked at the archives of some of the previous reports that people had done, you know, on these same issues mm-hmm. in the region. So I dug up um, around the late 1990s, there was an initiative called the Millennium Project, and they released the Millennium Report on the Greater Hartford region. They had business leaders and lots of people come together, and it's a couple hundred pages long, um, and anyone that wants it, we're happy to send a link. Um, but one of the issues they identified was the difficulty in recruiting young professionals to the region. They described it basically in exactly the same words um, that you just used, and so it's, you know, 18, 19 years ago, this issue was framed in almost exactly the same way, and I'm sure if you dug further into the archives, it would be the same uh, as well. And that's really because the fundamentals have not changed. You know, we essentially have the same network of colleges and universities here. They're relatively similar quality, so they draw a lot of people from out of state. And sort of the um, the assets and the attractions that the Hartford region has also have not changed that much uh, over time. So one of the big drivers for mobility for young people, recent college graduates, is jobs. Um, 60% of the people identify that as kind of their, their main reason for moving uh, from New England to another part of the country. And the job market in this region is essentially the same as it was uh, in the late 1990s. There's been a uh, little, you know, 1% jo- uh, job growth since, you know, 1990 or so. So that, you know, those factors that are the real kind of underlying drivers for what keep people um, in a metro area um, have not changed much. Uh, and so that issue is pretty much the same as it was. So what can Connecticut do to change this long-term trend that we've been seeing? Uh, that's a, I, don't, I don't know what dollar amount you want to put on it, but that's a big question. Um, one of the things we wanted to do in the report a little bit is talk about some of the things that actually are happening. So if you kind of look at, well, here's what the numbers say. Here's you know how uh, essentially how little these trends have changed over a long period of time. What are the drivers and where would we see change? One of those changes um, I think is is good news for the region is the increased presence of colleges and universities in downtown Hartford. Um, and so that's something you know, there's a little bit. Uh, you have the University of St. Joseph's, uh, Trinity College um, has some property downtown now. Um, and then really the the big change will be UConn moving a relatively substantial portion of its student body into downtown, downtown Hartford, having faculty, students there. That's something that's really different from, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And so that's one thing where there's at least the potential to have people more strongly identify with the city of Hartford, the region around it, um, and hopefully um, to have some of those graduates um, stick around because of that. So that's one thing that's a big enough change that I think you could anticipate that this trend will change a little bit, whether that's enough to, um, you know, really um, get the kind of results that people would like to see is a um, bigger question, though. I'm speaking with Scott Gall, director of the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving's Community Indicator Report Project, rather. And we're talking about a recent study about how to attract millennials who are leaving. Uh, Scott, you know, we also know that um, we hear often, and some of the statistics uh, prove this is happening, that people that are getting close to retirement age or who have retired are definitely leaving the state. I mean, what can be done to keep people um, such as uh, Frank, who tweeted, I'm a new retiree relocating to Florida. I love Connecticut. Raised our two boys here. Here, but we don't want to face another winter of ice and snow. Another uh, listener, Scott, tweets, leaving to dodge Social Security and pension taxes would cost $15,000 to stay, and that's a lot of travel, boat, fuel, and living money. So how do we, attra- how do we keep these people here? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that uh, we're hoping to do kind of with the framework for this type of report is look at the sort of full set of factors that people take into account when making decisions. So young people, old people, they're all complicated uh, so for that matter. So our businesses and companies, you know, they don't they don't usually make decisions based on a single um, factor. It's a bunch of different things uh, boiled together. So their jobs, their quality of life, the cost of living, tax burden, all those things come into play 
Um, there's really one of the things. It's, it's not in the report, but we um, have worked a little bit with um, Inform CT, which is a nonpartisan policy research group, um, and they do a consumer confidence survey. And we ask them to add a question to that about sort of people's beliefs about the best way to grow the economy. So essentially, you know, when people are making their choices about where to live to the extent that they're able to make choices about where to live, um, they're really taking a bet on the future. And uh, largely, um, that's based on a, the future of the economy for that region. So there is really a difference in opinion between people sort of over the age of 45 and people under the age of 45 about what the best way to grow the economy is. Um, so there's a question that the American Planning Association has used to talk about whether people think it's better to invest in community features like schools and transportation and having walkable communities, or whether it's a better strategy to invest sort of limited resources in recruiting companies and businesses to stay in a region. And the big difference is, you know, people under the age of 45, the, the majority of them, around 60%, a little higher than that, um, think that investing in community features is the better strategy to grow the economy. Over the age of 45, it's the opposite. So that group over the age of 45 thinks that investing in um, incentives to bring companies in, retain companies, is really the best strategy um, to grow the economy. But that's a real difference in opinion. And I think that to the extent that people want to focus on sort of attracting and retaining young people or millennials or however you want to um, call it, um, you have to sort of take heed of that opinion that investing in community features is a good strategy to develop the economy. Uh, before we take a call, I just wanted to ask you about um, one of the findings in the report. Uh, we know that um, the economy has been stagnant, but you found something interesting in terms of, of small business growth in Connecticut. This is also, I think, in the vein of um, looking inward and focusing on what are the things that, in, in our case, the Hartford region, but this is probably true for um, lots of other parts of the state, uh, what are the things that we have already? Um, that's where you want to focus. That's, I think, what the, um, the lowest hanging fruit, it's not low hanging, but um, um, the easiest way to um, have some gains is. So over the, again, the past 25 years or so, the region has had little to no job growth. I think it's 1.1% um, at the bottom of most of the large metro regions in the country. That's not good news. Um, but when you peel that back a little bit, um, a lot of that um, has been driven by a decline in employment from larger companies and non-resident employers. And I think people kind of anecdotally know that that's the case, but that um, those firms had about a 10% drop in employment over the last quarter century. At the same time, the reason there's net zero, um, essentially, job growth is that there's been about 20, I think it's 23% increase in employment from small businesses and locally owned firms over that same period. So we are seeing some growth from those sectors. Um, and I think, again, if you're looking to think about the future as it informs your decision-making about where you live, um, the sort of focus of the region, if we're looking at that sector, small businesses, locally owned businesses, we've seen some growth there. Um, and again, we're focusing on some of the initiatives that work with um, those businesses, particularly small entrepreneurs, uh, um, in, you know, sort of fostering innovation within the region. And there's little pieces of that that are starting. Um, and I think that's good news, again, whether it's enough to um, really lead to a big change is the, the bigger question. I want to take a call now. Uh, Ron from Prospect. Ron, you're on where we live. Yeah, good morning. How are you folks doing? Good. What's up? Um, I'm 65, <clears throat> been retired for a little while, uh, retired federal, and my wife has another year to go. We've been actively looking to uh, retire out of state. Um, I can tell you that of the 14 or so houses on our street, four folks have already retired and moved out, three to Florida and one to Vermont, of all places. Um, part of the reasons that we're looking to leave is that about 30% of our 
fixed income now is going to state and local taxes. Um, as I understand it, uh, our medical expenses are not deductible on the state income tax, which is kind of tough as we get older. Our medical expenses are increasing all the time. Um, I can say also that out of all the out-of-state folks that we've talked to in our search for a place to retire, uh, I might add the decision is kind of difficult because there's so many good options out there. Anyway, um, of all the folks that we spoke to out-of-state, dozens of people, we have yet to find one, absolutely no one, that plans to retire and move to Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you, Ron, if you saw some of, um, you know, maybe the, if if the state gave better incentives to keep people that are uh, close to retirement or people who have retired to stay in Connecticut, would that be enough to, to want to stay here? Or would the warmer state still call your name? No, I, I would say that if it was more attractive for us in terms of our long-term financial ability to sustain ourselves, we'd certainly reconsider. Um, but again, the, uh, actually, <laughs> it's from the marketing piece, there's an awful lot of states that would love to have us. All right, Ron. Well, hopefully uh, we're going to have State Senator Beth Bayon uh, coming up in the hour, so maybe she can address some of uh, the concerns that you raised of, of keeping people here uh, in Connecticut. Um, Scott, before we go to break, I did want to talk about um, the the number of millennials that you are going to see staying in Connecticut, but the the challenge um, of of them being able to contribute to the economy in terms of wages. Can you talk about that? I think one of the things uh, we wanted to focus on is really taking a closer look at who millennials are. Um, I always kind of have a hard time using the word millennials because you're already putting people into sort of a box. And I think when you say that, people start to have a vision of, oh, that's what a millennial is like. But <laughs> at least in the greater Hartford region, there's a lot of diversity within that group. Um, so we, we looked at the, um, the earnings for that. So 45% of people in the, the sort of uh, millennial age cohort um, don't earn enough money to sustain a family based on sort of some of the household survival budgets um, that we've had in the state. So that's something where, you know, there are a lot of people in that cohort who are on, um, have financial constraints that limits your ability to move or, you know, to make those kinds of changes. So mobility is something that some people have the ability um, to do, but not everybody um, can. Uh, one of the other uh, things that I think we think about is, in the at least in the city of Hartford, there's a lot of focus on opportunity youth or disconnected youth, people, uh, young people that are um, not at work, not in school. Those are millennials. You know, I don't think it's not called that in that type of uh, you know initiative, but the, those are people that are in the millennial cohort. Uh, you know, you know who are, um, have a lot of challenges and just thinking of millennials as this sort of monolithic group. We have to sort of unpack that. You know, again, that's particularly in the case of uh, this region, but want uh, uh, to look at. Lots of different types of millennials, again, who, to the, the point from earlier, have lots of different types of motivations, and I don't think there's sort of one-size-fits-all uh, one solutions, but um, thinking about you know the different factors, jobs, housing, quality of life, that people take into account when they're making their decisions, and the financial constraints that many, many uh, young people face in our region, at least. I want to thank Scott Gall, director of the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving's Community Indicator Report. He summarized some of the big takeaways from the third edition of the Metro Hartford Progress Report. A link to that report is on our website, wmpr.org slash where we live. When we come back from the break, we'll hear from two longtime residents about why they moved to Florida. Are you recently retired? How do you afford to live in Connecticut? You can join the conversation.
This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today we're looking at the people who've moved out of Connecticut and the people who are moving in. Right now we're taking a closer look at out-migration or the number of people who have left Connecticut in recent years. According to the U.S. Census from 2010 to 2014, an average of 82,000 people per year moved to Connecticut from other states. At the same time, approximately 91,000 moved out of Connecticut. This doesn't take into account the number of people who come here from other countries. We'll get to that later. In a conversation with the State Department of Labor, we found out Connecticut does have a net loss of people over the age of 65. Around 7,000 per year leave for other states, while only more than 4,200 come from other states. And two former Connecticut residents are joining us now by phone to talk about their decision. Arthur Sharp is a freelance writer and editor and resident of Sun City Center, Florida. Recently, he wrote an op-ed, Retirees Will Tell You Why They Left Connecticut for Florida. Arthur, welcome to where we live. Thank you. Also on the phone with us is Gerald Parker Sr., a resident of Vero Beach, Florida, and he has a small business, uh, Unique Solutions. Also, he wrote an op-ed in the current titled, Happy to Have Moved On to Florida. Gerald, welcome to where we live. Good morning. So I want to start with um, Arthur. Tell me about your story. I understand you, you, you've, uh, you were a longtime Connecticut resident. You worked at Pratt & Whitney. Uh, tell us about your life here in Connecticut and why you left. Well, I lived, I was born in Waterbury many, many years ago, with the exception of a four-year stint in the Marine Corps. I stayed in Connecticut until I was about 72 years of age, and then I sort of gradually moved south with a stop in South Carolina on a winter basis and eventually full-time down here in Florida. And we learned about you, Art, through uh, the uh, the op-ed that you wrote to the Hartford Current, and you're part of something called the East Coast Lunch Club. Tell us what that is. That's an informal group of people who live all across Florida, East Coast, West Coast, and we get together on occasion just to talk about uh, our lives in Florida, former lives in Connecticut. Some of them live in Connecticut half the year or so. It's just a fun group, and it got its name from a former colleague of mine, Bonnie Simon, at Naugatuck Valley Community College. Just said it one day, East Coast Lunch Club sounded good to us. So it's no surprise that when people reach retirement age that they want to move south to, to warmer weather, no snow. Um, would anything have changed? Would it have been different for you if um, you know Con- Connecticut had been able to give you some incentives to stay as a retiree? I think so, yeah, because I still have kids and grandkids up there, and I still visit the state occasionally. I sneak across the border for a few days and then come back south. And the fact that my wife of 48 years, she died, and that was one less reason to be living in Connecticut. And I enjoy it in Florida. I want to turn to Gerald now. Gerald, you're a resident of Vero Beach. Why did you leave? Well, I left for numerous reasons, uh, primarily the weather. The climate down here is just sensational. The uh, Most people come to Florida for a vacation, and I feel as though we're on vacation 365, 24-7. It's just beautiful down here. Um, in studio with us, Gerald, is uh, State Senator uh, Beth Bai. Um, I wanted her to just respond to, you know, the fact that both of you used to live in Connecticut, were longtime residents, and, and you left to Florida. Uh, State Senator uh, Beth Bai, you know, we often hear about Connecticut um, focusing on the super wealthy who are leaving. But what about people that were middle class, lived a good life here, and, and you know, feel like there's not something keeping them here um, to stay in Connecticut to live out their life? Well, uh, thanks for having me today, and uh, it's nice to hear from former residents. And it's also nice that they earned a good living in Connecticut and could choose where to retire uh, when they were done. I think that 
housing and weather are two things that that are difficult to control, and we're working on the housing issue. The expensive housing in Connecticut as you grow older and have a fixed income is difficult. And the weather is something we can't control. As I was coming on today, I wanted to say Connecticut's where we live and call it Connecticut's where we love. I mean, I love living here. I moved back here to have children and send them to our schools, which are the best in the country. And these two likely sent their children to some of the best schools in the country because parents are looking to give kids that advantage. Um, So these are two people who have the right to move wherever they want. In Connecticut, the out-migration has more to do with people moving just over the line in New England. If we think of New England, Massachusetts, New York, you know, are a very small state. People can move just over the line, their job opportunities over the line. Um, 48% of people who move cite housing. And for seniors, it can be less expensive for housing in Florida. In Connecticut, there's a high demand for housing, and that pushes the prices up. It's one of the most expensive places to live in the country. So... There are a lot of reasons people move. It's a it's a free country, but I would argue that for Connecticut's future, we need to be more worried about attracting and keeping young people here. Uh, there's a high quality of life, always one of the best in the country, top five in Forbes every year. And young people more and more are moving because of quality of life. And when you talk to demographers, New England's problem isn't that some seniors are leaving because the vast, vast majority are staying. We are an aging region of the country. The biggest problem demographers see for New England and Connecticut's part of that is how do you attract and keep young people and immigrants here to keep the economy thriving? I want to turn back to Gerald again, a resident of Vero Beach, Florida. I understand you're a small business owner. How do you respond to State Senator Bai? Well, I, I agree with many things she says, but uh, there are many other reasons why people move to Florida. And uh, so... You know, I have nothing against the state of Florida. Trust me, I grew up in a little town called Ellington, which is a beautiful community. I, I miss it sometimes, but and I go back periodically. But, uh, you know, Florida is our home. We came down here for, you know, I had a pretty good-sized business in Ellington and East Windsor and sold out in 07, bought a home in 09, and we figured we were going to come back and forth for two or three months a year, and that turned into... Uh, six and seven months, so we became Florida residents in 12 and uh, never looked back. Mm. And we live in a beautiful part of the country. I mean, I look at it this way, that uh, the Fortune 500 CEOs and CFOs, uh, many of these individuals moved to Florida. And just within five miles of where I'm sitting right now, there are probably 75 of the Fortune uh, 200 CEOs and CFOs. So, they, you know, they're pretty smart people, much smarter than I am. So if they're, if they're down here, there's got to be a reason for it. I would be, I would be uh, you know, not 100% honest in saying that financially. Uh, that was one reason we came to Florida with no income tax, no estate tax, no inheritance tax. Uh, the property taxes are, are very fair. We, we have two very expensive automobiles. We pay zero tax on that. I mean, Connecticut, we were getting taxed and taxed and taxed. Uh, I feel bad for the small business guy up there. I really do. I was a small business owner up there, and we suffered through it. I had 20-some-odd employees. And uh, the expenses were just, it was at the point where my wife, Karen, said, Jerry, you know, why are you working seven days a week? And we had a nice offer come across the table and took it. And, uh, you know, that's, I'm very happy that we did that. But, again, I have nothing against Connecticut. Trust me, it's, it's, it's a beautiful place to live and, and raise a family. 
And I know Governor Malloy has a tough job, but uh, it's it's at the point where you know you got to control spending. You know, Rick Scott down here controls spending. We're, we have a major surplus. Uh, I still get the Hartford Current online, and I read it every day diligently, and. Uh, I see all the problems up there. I mean, the city of Hartford may be going bankrupt. I mean, it just doesn't happen down here. So it's just, just different. And, and, and New England, you know, Beth has a great point in the sense that uh, the, the reason that people stay up there, the older people, I can tell you right now, because I play golf with people who, are, who go back and they're still Connecticut residents. And the reason that they don't pick up and move to Florida and become residents uh, is because of grandkids. The grandkids keep them up there, mm. and uh, sooner or later, I mean, the grandkids get older, as mine are, and uh, you say, you know what, you're just going to pick up and move. Uh, other thing, utility costs. I mean, my building in East Windsor was 18,000 square feet. I had it rented for 10 years after I sold the business. The the in in April, my tenant moved out, very good tenant, and uh, I had it for three months before I sold it, and I was paying the utility cost. I had one light on and one fan on, and the utility cost was $170 a month. That's crazy. Well, Joe, I, have a, I have a big, beautiful home here in Florida with air conditioning, a pool, a spa, everything. My electric bill is $230 a month. Uh, but, Gerald, you said that um, spending is an issue in Connecticut. I want to have uh, State Senator Bai respond to that um, because, obviously, you know, people do talk about the tax climate here, uh, but at the same time, we have high taxes, but there's also a high quality of life. Can you respond to what well, Gerald's saying? Well, sure. And over the past few years, while I've been chair of appropriations, I feel like I'm chair of the cutting committee. We have been cutting consistently $1.5 billion off of current services. So we understand that our expenses need to meet what comes in in, the, in our revenues. And, and our revenues have really lagged. Uh, we are a state that's based on financial services, and we're coming out of a financial services recession at at the same time that we're having this problem, Alaska, which is a very Republican state, uh, had a $4 billion deficit because of oil. They depend on oil. So I don't think people make the association as much in Connecticut, but we're struggling out of this recession because the very industry that's been a core industry has been struggling recovering from this recession. At the same time, we're growing jobs in bioscience. In my district, the state made a significant investment that I know I was on my feet for eight and a half hours defending against Republicans and some of the business community. But that investment in UConn and bioscience and bringing jets and labs and has grown hundreds and hundreds of jobs. And they're two years ahead of schedule. So Connecticut is sort of remaking itself, making those investments in bioscience that are paying off. Uh, but it takes time. Meanwhile, you know, this gentleman is is very fortunate. He had a business. The business was successful. If things were so bad in Connecticut, he would not have gotten a good price for his business to be able to move to Florida and live the lifestyle he's lived. So I'm happy for him that he had a successful business in Connecticut. He worked his butt off probably for many years, and he's reaping the rewards and choosing to live in Florida. That's his choice. We have a free country. Um, but I would say again that our bigger concern in Connecticut is how do we attract and keep young people here with things like high-speed broadband in our cities, with transportation infrastructure that's improved, and using our higher ed system that's been so successful to import more young people here and then keep them with programs like those coming out of Connecticut Innovations that have invested millions in Connecticut startups. And we have 10 of the fastest growing companies in Connecticut, four of them receive state financing 
to get themselves jump-started. So we have to keep making strategic investments. We do have to worry about energy costs and tax the tax climate. All those things matter. But we have to stop bashing our state. We're such a great place to live, and I meet people all the time. I meet way more people in West Hartford, for example, who move two streets down than I do people who move to Florida. We call it monopoly in West Hartford. You move and move and move till you get to the exact street you want. We just downsized and saved ourselves $100,000 in the value of our home as my wife retired, and we had to move that way. So people make these decisions and move to save money within Connecticut, but also some move without. And uh, we need to worry about attracting and keeping young people here. We're getting a lot of calls. Uh, please be patient. We'll get to you soon. But I want to turn back to Arthur Sharp, who uh, retired to Sun City Center, Florida. Do you want to respond to State Senator Bai about um, some of the uh, the challenges that Connecticut may have? But, you know, we're still there's still a lot happening here in terms of trying to attract people to, to come to Connecticut, Arthur. Yeah, I do have a couple comments. One, whether people are moving over the border or to Florida, they're still moving. Two, She's expressing a sort of a cavalier attitude. We'll let the old people go, and we'll concentrate on the young people. I don't think that that's fair. Three, one of the basic reasons I moved, and I didn't mention it before, is because of the economic conditions in Connecticut and the tax situation. As my colleague said, we're paying a lot less down here in Florida than we are in Connecticut, and it makes life a lot easier for us. And I it just built up over the years, and I hate to say it, but it's a Democrat-run state, which doesn't help people too very much, believe me. We're a little more balanced down here in Florida. I want to take a call now. Uh, Mary is calling from Hartford. Mary, you're on where we live. Hi. I live in Hartford with my husband. We love our house. We love the seasons. And um, I agree with Beth, Beth By. We have to look to the future not only for young people but for older people. I'm concerned about climate change, and I'd like to see more of the leaders in Connecticut, including the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving, invest in the environment and invest in preparing for climate change. Eventually, some of the people in Florida are going to have to deal with uh, hurricane situations and, and, and climate problems. I've met many young people and my own peers who are moving to other states for jobs and for an inclusive culture that's really preparing for climate change for for a different 21st century future. And um, I think that that's going to start with a freelance economy with innovative individuals and a little more investment in people who think differently and a little more uh, recognition of that would be super. All right, Mary, thank you for your call. I want to take another call now. Uh, I'm sorry, Isan is calling. Uh, Isan, welcome to where we live. Hi. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. And what would you like to add? Um, I'm actually I'm the president and co-founder of Connecticut and Professionals. Uh, your guests have brought up a lot of really good and interesting points. Uh, there's two key points that I uh, wanted to discuss today. One of them is uh, after our symposium last year, um, we the feedback we got, especially from female young professionals, was uh, mobility. Um, they really want to be able to work remotely because a lot of them they want to start families and. Uh, we found that few employers actually did allow that. They did provide um, access to employers remotely, uh, especially females, and that really helped them to retain these uh, millennials, uh, very great professional, um, uh, really amazing employees here in Connecticut. That they, they, they feel like Connecticut is home, but they also there's a lot of hurdles uh, when it comes to, like, workplace. 
And the second point is decentralization. We have a lot of uh, young professional organizations throughout the state, but also what we found is that by creating a centralized community, it really allows millennials to really instantaneously plug into a community and they find their interests. So through Connecticut Young Professionals, we really partner with young professionals, other young professional organizations throughout the state. We also partner with the uh, with not-for-profits. And what that did was they, you know, we have a lot of people that work here or go to to, uh, to schools, and what allows them is to be part of a community, and can, they can potentially stay in Connecticut. So um, these are the key points that I wanted to discuss today, but there's a lot of really good points that your guests uh, brought up today. Uh, and that's, um, you know, I love Connecticut. I'm originally from Morocco. Connecticut is home. Um, yes, I agree. There's a lot of, you know, the cost for certain things is, is, is significantly high compared to other states. But really, Connecticut is really, really a beautiful state. And I'm looking to stay here and retire here. All right. Thank you, Isan, for your call. And then also, I want to take a call now. Elizabeth is calling from Pleasant Valley. Elizabeth, you're on Where We Live. Oh. Okay, so it looks like we lost Elizabeth, but I want to uh, turn back to uh, State Senator Bai. Uh, you were listening to what Isan was saying about uh, what drives young people here and, and why they want to stay. Do you want to respond? Well, Isan really hit on something, again, that separates Connecticut and a lot of New England, which is we have to pay attention to quality of life. I have five kids between the ages of 20 and 28, and they want to live where there's a high quality of life. Almost none of them have cars. One of them has a car a permanent car. Um, They want to be able to get around. They want to be able to hike on the weekends. They have a different approach. And so um, they want to work hard and they want to play hard. And so New England has this opportunity right now with these millennials. And in terms of Connecticut, we always have, in terms of the intelligence here and the workforce here, we always have one of the top three workforces. That is people with BAs, MAs, PhDs, smart people move to Connecticut, stay in Connecticut. We've got a keep them in Connecticut by supporting startups. You know, you got to have the jobs, but we also need to keep our investments in higher education. What's happened at UConn is transformative, and those have been public investments. We now have a top 18 school in the country. That's huge for Connecticut, but the next challenge is now you need a 4.0 to get in there. So when our, some of our top students don't get in there, and they go out of state, their likelihood of coming back to Connecticut goes down. We've just got to build up our CSU and community colleges to have students see, if I don't get into UConn, I have other good options there and at some of the private colleges in Connecticut to keep them here. Because if they go to college here, they're likely to stay. And our uh, workforce, we need them in our workforce and our businesses. We've made these investments in higher ed because the businesses asked us to. We've just opened a STEM dorm at UConn. We invested in manufacturing infrastructure at our community colleges, and those manufacturing businesses are growing for the first time in years because we have that workforce. So it's public investments to support private industry. All right, I want to try it. Elizabeth again. Elizabeth from Pleasant Hill, you're on where we live, Elizabeth. Yeah, hi there. How are you today? Good. We have just a couple minutes, Elizabeth. So I have three grown children in their late 20s and 30s. One of two of, they're all married, so six from the Connecticut area, New Hartford, Pleasant Valley area, and they're in varied um, professions. They're all college graduates. Um, In fact, two of them went through the community college and UConn, and one went through uh, central Connecticut. And and I have to disagree with you about staying in Connecticut. All six of them have made an agreement after investigating their professions in Connecticut that 
there was zero incentive to stay. And we're talking about a merchant marine and a nurse making over $200,000 a year. This is not just a money thing. They've all said they are tax, 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 tax. They can't get their foot in the market. And they've all decided jointly, they said, you know what, mom and dad, get the heck out of Connecticut, move to North Carolina, because all of us feel like we can get a hold there. We cannot get a hold up here in Connecticut. And... It's just not working. Their other comment that I thought was interesting is in Connecticut, in order to stay here, you have to um, live to work and not work to live. And none of them have made that choice. Well, if and I they could, said, yeah. If I could just respond, uh, this is Senator Bai, and thank you for your call. And um, I'm sorry we're losing your children. I'm, I'm sure you are too. What I'm talking about are percentages. Like that's, uh, again, a portrait story, and, and I'm sorry to hear it. The landscape story is that proportionally, if students go to school in Connecticut, higher ed, they are very likely to stay in the high 70s for UConn, in the 90s for CSU and community college. But I am glad that Connecticut is launching them and has given them a great education because that helps our nation, and we're part of a, a bigger nation. But um, we have to do better, and we have to see have them see that they have – opportunities here. I'm not saying everything's perfect, but I would I would say that on average, if students do go to school in Connecticut, they are much more likely to stay here. But I am glad they got a great education while they were here. Well, we know that um, you know people have different opinions of whether to stay or leave. And in terms of our quality of life, some people say, well, that's the trade-off. We have a high taxes here. We have a great quality of life. But when we look at what's happening at the Capitol, uh, Senator Bai, we hear that the budget crisis is only going to get worse. I mean, what's the, the future here in Connecticut for people who want to stay? Well, I think there's, a, again, a great future. We have that high quality of life. We always are in the top three for education system. Parents, young people leave and then, like I did, and end up coming back when they have kids because they want their kids to go to these schools. And and for me, you know, maybe it's just my priority, but education is my top, top priority uh, for my children. Most of them aren't living in Connecticut now, but I fully expect that when they have kids, they'll come back. And as for seniors, I know many who leave and go to Florida, and then they get to be 85 and need Medicaid and need better medical care. And they come back to Connecticut. I met a dental student at UConn uh, Dental School who moved here from Florida. He was an immigrant, lived in Florida, came here for, he said, I feel like I've landed in heaven in Connecticut. I would never work in Florida. Their Medicaid rates are so low. The dental care is terrible. So I want to be in Connecticut where you have fair reimbursement rates and I can have an education and my kids are in the Farmington schools and they're awesome. So, you know, it's a free country. And people have options, but some and some people come and some people go. We have lost two tenths of one percent of our population, so it is something, but it's not, I think, what it is like in these portrait stories. I want to take time now to thank Arthur G. Sharp, a freelance writer and editor and resident of Sun City, Florida, for joining us. Also, Gerald C. Parker Sr., a resident of Vero Beach, Florida, and president of Unique Solutions. Senator Bai is going to stick around for our final segment. We're going to focus now on the people who've moved to Connecticut. This is where we live. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today we've been talking about the reasons people leave Connecticut. High taxes is a big one. But there are people who say high quality of life here makes it worth it. One of them is William Lugo, Associate Professor of Sociology at Eastern Connecticut State University. He's also a Bolton resident. William, welcome to where we live. 
Thanks for having me. So tell us, uh, where have you lived in this country and what brought you here? Well, I lived in a lot of places. My family, I was born in Corpus Christi, Texas, and my family moved all around Texas. We uh, moved to Illinois, Wisconsin, South Dakota, Florida. Currently, my brother lives in Virginia. I'm in Connecticut. My parents are back in Texas. So you're um, obviously you've been listening to the show and you've lived mm-hmm. here now for some time. So you're aware of the the argument that you know Connecticut is just not very friendly when it comes to our tax climate. But as someone who's lived around the country, you see a trade off, right? When you that you're living here. Yeah, I mean you're going to pay for it in one way or another, right? When I was in South Dakota and I did enjoy South Dakota. There's a lot of things I miss about South Dakota, but I don't miss the fact that sometimes you're just driving and you take roads for granted. Like they're just roads, they're just gone. You're in gravel roads in half a second. I don't miss, you know, having the local pig slaughterhouse near one of the biggest cities in the state. And one, I mean, sometimes there were states of emergency where there was clouds coming from there and you were told to stay indoors. Or I don't, you know, miss toxic algae blooms like they had in Florida all summer because of toxic runoff from different agricultural plants. So you're going to pay for it. Uh, you know, I love the the fact that my daughter can go to a great public school system in the state. Connecticut's ranked, I believe, two in the country in public education. Public higher education, we're ranked 11th, right? Florida's ranked 28th, I believe, in public education, higher education, 32nd. So you're going to pay for it in one way or another. So I do, I, I don't like getting my tax bills uh, I I was stunned when they first got my car tax bill, but you know I I do like what I get for it. I want to take a call now. Kevin is calling uh, where we live from Wallingford. Hi, Kevin. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have a very similar story to that. Actually, I've, I'm 48 years old, and I've lived all over the country. Being born in California, out west, and lived in the South and the Northwest and Midwest. And what drew me here was, was exactly what you guys have been talking about, education. I came here for graduate school about 22 years ago and uh, met my wife, who also came here from, from uh, undergraduate in California. And we decided to stay mainly because of that quality of life. And we do see it as a trade-off, paying a little bit more in taxes. But we're, we're happy to do that to get what we get in Connecticut. Now I work for a company that was just uh, – named one of the top 500 fastest-growing companies in the country, number two in media and number five in, in technology, and that's right here in Connecticut. So, I mean, it's not all bad news. All right. Well, thank you so much for your call, uh, Kevin. And I want to just read a couple of tweets we're getting. Uh, Jeff tweets, move to Florida, higher state sales tax, toll roads, $500 to register a car, car insurance doubles, bad schools and crime. Another tweet, take a hard look at taxes. In Florida, you pay county and city taxes. Connecticut, you pay state taxes. These are a small percentage versus federal taxes. So those are uh, tweets from Jeff, who's uh, listening in um, to the show. Uh, State Senator Bai, we, we wanted to talk a little bit about the people that are moving to Connecticut. And even though um, we had the um, higher, um, Hartford Foundation Republic giving on earlier in the show talking about millennials, recent college grads leaving, we see a trend in Connecticut where people in their 30s are moving back to Connecticut. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think some of that really is the public schools that, that we've heard. When you have kids, that becomes your number one Priority. Uh, but for me, for the past two years, I've been trying to focus on three things to attract and keep those millennium. One is investments in higher education. The other is transportation infrastructure. Millennials want to be able to be on their devices and working while, while they're moving. Um, and the other is high-speed broadband. Connecticut has the best regulatory environment in the country to have the first gigabit infrastructure for our state. 
But with some of the challenges facing when you're up against the monopolies, um, that's been a challenge. But I think we have this great regulatory structure that I worked on three years ago where we can have high-speed broadband for everyone. That would help our young, growing companies and people. So you add that to the education and the quality of life. I think those are our strategies uh, moving forward. On top of housing, which we haven't talked about today, the number one reason people cite for leaving is not taxes. That's not even in the top five. It's the cost of housing. It's expensive to live here. People want to live here, which drives up the price, and that makes it expensive. And Governor Malloy and the Democrats have invested over the past five years and added tens of thousands of units of affordable housing. In West Hartford, we're about to build a cross on the fast track, which so many people fought, but that is leading to development right in the new park section, affordable housing for young millennials. Those are the kinds of things we have to do. Make the housing affordable so people get here, because once you get here, you love it. And William? Yeah, I just going off a, a couple of statements that Beth just made, that if you like, according to the Census Bureau, taxes is never mentioned as a reason why people move, right? It's usually, one is age, right? We, we, we do want to attract millennials because that's the time that you're going to be the most mobile. And then, of course, when you retire. And the number one reasons that people move when they retire, it's not for tax reasons. It's usually for health reasons or for climate reasons. I mean, if, you, if it were just taxes, they'd all be moving to South Dakota, right? I mean, Forbes and uh, Kiplingers, they all say that South Dakota is the number one state for t- retirees that they should move to if that's their main focus. But they're not flocking. We're not losing people to South Dakota. So I, I think sometimes we get caught up you know, in the tax argument. But when you talk to people who do move, that typically is never the reason given. I want to just turn back to something that uh, Senator Bai said, and, and we've also heard throughout the show, you know, people who live in Connecticut, we talk about um, the great schools that are here, even though uh, there's a high, uh, high taxes that we pay for. But there is a large disparity in this state. When we look at some of the, our, our cities and uh, what the Hartford school system is like, I mean, you know, what are ways that we can improve that for people in the state who may not have, um, you know, certain income levels that afford them a great life? Right. I think some of that, again, is the housing issue, is that we have to make affordable housing available throughout the state. Uh, It's also, I think, one is a real public policy solution. We need to fully fund the education cost-sharing formula. Right now, it's not fair. Even though we send way more money to our cities, when you look at the formula, they're still not getting what they need to get from the state. So I do think the state has an important role here to make sure everyone has access to high-quality schools. And I want to take a quick call. Uh, Ferris, you're on where we lived. Uh, Ferris, we just have a, a minute to go, so quick quick comment. Oh, yeah. oh wonderful. I, I'm one of the other co-founders of Connecticut Young Professionals. My name is Ferris Barani, and I wanted to just make the point that with a centralized community um, and a centralized young professionals organization like Connecticut Young Professionals, you enable young people from all over the state to, to travel the state and experience things. We took a poll of uh, attendees at a particular event that we had in New Haven. About 30% were from Fairfield County, about 30% were from Hartford County. To introduce these vendors to these local economies, whether it be Hartford, Mystic, New Haven, wherever, you're you're spurring the local economy by moving people around and more effectively engaging the community. By keeping young people more engaged, they're more likely to stay, and they are spending more of their money in these local economies. And I think that that makes much better Connecticut. 
All right, Ferris, thank you for your call. I want to turn back to uh, William Lugo, uh, who is an institute guest here also with State Senator Beth Bai. You said that you have uh, children or a child. Yes, I have and, a daughter, yes. And do you think that um, she'll want to stay here in Connecticut once uh, she reaches 18 and may want to go to college and come back? According to her, she yes, she's going to be in my sociology class. She's going to Eastern, and so this is where she wants to be. She likes it here quite a bit. And State Senator By, uh, before we go again uh, with the budget crunch uh, coming in the once the session um, starts, you know what what can you say to residents who you know are worried about the tax the taxes here and and feel like you know they they can't afford to live in Connecticut? You know, there's speculation that taxes are going to go up again. What can you tell them? Well, I mean, I think we have made those difficult cuts over the past three years to put ourselves in a good position going forward. And I think we need a fairer tax system, not necessarily the one that we have right now. So I think uh, the legislature will be having those difficult discussions. But it is a public discussion with hearings and emails and phone calls. We hear from hundreds of thousands of residents a year uh, when we make decisions. But it is political. Well, I want to thank State Senator Beth Bai, also Deputy Majority Leader in the Connecticut General Assembly. Also, William Lugo, a Bolton resident and Associate Professor of Sociology at Eastern Connecticut State University. Thank you for coming in, William. Thank you. Our show is produced by Lydia Brown and Jeff Tyson. Our technical producer is Kion Wolf. WNPR's executive producer is Katie Tolarski. My apologies if we did not have enough time to get to your calls. You can continue this conversation, as always, on our website, wmpr.org slash where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Thanks for listening.